through my life without seeing Alec Baldwin naked but there it is it's on screen would that kind of be how you'd find out about your friend's affair would, would you sit down and say hey I'm having an affair with my ex-husband is that true to life I can honestly say that I've never heard of any of my friends having an affair no, <laughs> not not, not one have I, ever oh. said to me I'm having an affair well maybe they oh. are I don't know but it was what older middle-aged men look like, frankly. <laughs> hope my husband's not listening to this, because he doesn't look like that. Hello, everybody. Joining Flix Watcher today, we have Michelle. Hello. Liz. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to talk about It's Complicated. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of Flicks Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Michelle and Liz. Over to you, please, Liz, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are. Well, hello there. Well, I'm Liz, and for many years I ran an aviation and publishing business and events on the side. But now I'm just an event consultant, part-time, and I'm one half of the podcast Two Women Chatting, where we chat and discuss all things related to midlife and being empty nesters. Over to you, Michelle. Yeah, so hi, I'm Michelle. I'm a voice actor by trade, and I'm the other half of Two Women Chatting with Liz. And we met when I first moved into a house. She lived a couple of houses away. She was the lovely, friendly neighbour. And then we went into lockdown. And so when we could and when social gatherings allowed, we would sit in the garden and chat and then we would sit on our sofa and chat. From that, we found that we had a lot in common. We are both midlife women. We were both empty nesters, so at the same stage of life. And we were looking to find a bit more purpose, trying to maybe step out of our comfort zone a little bit. And although I have done voice acting for many years now, what I haven't done is multi-track or sort of entered the podcast arena. So this was all new to us, but we found that we had so many topics that were interesting, that weren't just about menopause, that weren't just about school. We kind of moved on from that. Where's your kid going to school? Where are they going to go to university? And we started talking about all kinds of topics like using CBD for joint ache in midlife and human trafficking. Does it help? It does. Do you know what? It helps with a lot of the menopause symptoms too, like anxiety and all those sorts of things. But we just sort of really found ourselves developing this passion project that became bigger and really enjoyable and sometimes scary. And now we're downloaded in 44 countries. We've had thousands of downloads. We have a really good network of listeners who are very loyal to us. And we really, really are very delighted and happy that it's become successful in this way. So we called it Two Women Chatting because we do exactly what it says on the tin. Who suggested 
to who the podcast in the first place? Whose idea was it? Our kids, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We were actually thinking of doing some kind of event business because I've got a background in marketing and PR and Liz is obviously with her events experience. It seemed like a perfect mesh of our skill sets. And the more we talked about it, the more we laughed. And the kids, they're all adult kids, they're like, oh, my God, you two are just ridiculous. You should just make a podcast out of this. It's funny. It's funny. So we thought we'd take a leap, and we did. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I was going to say, it's a very inspiring because a lot of people have these ideas and there's always something that putting them off, whether it's the time or they don't think anyone's going to listen to it. So, yeah, great to go with it and give it a go so well done it is a bit of a commitment i'm not going to lie especially now we've gone weekly and um you know we met kobe at the podcast awards back in may 22 this is a while ago (laughs) it was a while ago yeah and you know lots of podcasts started didn't they in covid times because it was something to do from home It, it was sort of easy to start up and i think as i said before it it's now like a lot of space litter there's lots of unended podcasts out there in the ether that sort of had three, four, five, six episodes and then just sort of fell away. And I'm kind of proud of us that we've just kept going, to my surprise, because I'm not usually like that. I lose interest. <laughs> I think it's like a, a super small fraction that actually gets past like five episodes. Of the- I think it's like yeah, 13. Yeah. I think like if you get past 12 episodes, then you're in it for the long course. <laughs> oh, lordy, Liz. Oh, lordy. So <laughs> you're Welcome. Welcome. Well, we're here today to talk about It's Complicated, which is your choice, Michelle. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And then we'll get the timer for the one minute synopsis. Okay. Why I chose it is because it's very relatable. And if anybody knows Nancy Mayer's movies, they're very rom com. They're kind of formulaic. You know what you're going to get. Sometimes you want that. Sometimes I don't want peril. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be sad. I want to be happy. And I want sort of a bit of romance, a bit of comedy. So I knew what I was getting. It's not the deepest movie in the world, but it's what I wanted. It was just the mood I was in. I've seen it a number of times. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> and the synopsis starts now. Okay, so as I said, It's Complicated is a Nancy Mayer's rom-com. It was released back in 2009. It centres around Jane Adler, who's played by the fabulous Meryl Streep. She's a successful bakery owner. And at their son's college graduation, she finds common ground again and begins an affair with her ex-husband, who's played by Alec Baldwin, 10 years after their divorce. And he's now married to a young, very needy young woman, Agnes, played by Lake Bell, who's got this horrible child son, but she wants more children. So Jane now finds herself in the role of mistress to her ex-husband of 20 years and basically cheating with her ex-husband on the woman who broke up their marriage. So already it's getting complicated, but then she begins to fall for Steve Martin's character, Adam, the architect redesigning her already gorgeous home, and he's really damaged emotionally <laughs> by his divorce. 60 seconds. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Very mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> you can tell she's the voice actress, can't you? <laughs> A natural. Already beautiful house. I need to make my house even better. I was like, it looks 
pretty stunning to me already. Well, Nancy Mayers is she's well known for doing these gorgeous kitchens and sitting rooms that are, you know, right out of Architectural Digest or Homes and Gardens. She's really meticulous about what she puts in them and how they look to the extent that she's known as a bit of a control freak. So she'll go on set and she'll take books out of the pile or on the bookshelf that she thinks her character wouldn't read. So, it does, I mean, it's a tiny, tiny detail that most people wouldn't see, but she's really into the minutiae, if you like. And so she's got a bit of a reputation for getting over-involved and her movies tend to run late and tend to go over budget. But it's all this gorgeous, sumptuous cashmere and gadgets and flora and just like yummy house looking stuff always with a lovely kitchen island as well oh i've got kitchen envy <laughs> serious kitchen envy on that oh, film yeah. yeah well my favorite nancy myers film isn't as her as a director but it's the parenthood and it also contains one of my favorite houses in not parenthood Parent uh, father of the bride and oh father yeah, of the no, bride parent, yes yeah father of the bride and one of the things i love about the whole kind of set of that is when Steve Martin's describing their house and just saying how perfect it is. It's like, so it's cool in the summer and, and warm in the winter. And you set it up as a really nice, cosy house. And it's still a, a big house in itself. And it's really nice and beautiful. But then his daughter's parents-in-law to be, they have an even bigger house. And they're still like, they're envious of what already for them is like, for us looking at them is like a fantastic house. And that's kind of, yeah, and that kind of sets the soul for Nancy Myers. And it, had she had directed Father's Bride, I'd be interested to see how she went into that. But it was, you know, it's, that's her style. That's kind of a thing of hers. And the other thing about Nancy Myers is that she really celebrates older women in acting roles. So she has her women portrayed as desirable and funny and successful. And I think that's quite a rarity sometimes in Hollywood movies. And that's another reason why I thought that's our listener base. That's the kind of people that would probably watch this movie. And she often uses the motif of divorce, but they're all, everybody who's divorced, all these women, they're loved and they're pursued by other men and they're still seen as sort of romantically interesting. And I think it's just a really nice take. And that was kind of, I think, because Nancy herself went through a divorce and she kind of puts that empowerment back into women in most of her movies. Liz, have you seen this before and what are your thoughts? Oh, I've seen it before, yeah. I love the film. I have seen it quite a few times. I just like the fact there's no bad person in it. It's just a laugh. You know, it's very easy watching. Yeah, my type of film. One kind of slight against I had was that this is my first time watching, but Lake Bell's presented as kind of an overbearing, not nasty person, but she comes off as being bad and then her son Pedro is a bit bratty and I thought it was potentially a bit unfair for Lake Bell. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Anyone? I don't know. I think she played it well. I mean, (laughs) I did. And there's a scene in there towards the sort of two thirds through the movie where he has to go off to the fertility clinic. She's booked him in every other day because she is determined to get that kid. And they pan the room and it's all older, successful men with these young women, clearly second marriages. And I just thought that was so telling. So L.A. as well. (laughs) Helen, well, not Lake Bell, it's complicated. I hadn't seen it before and I was quite excited. We've had a Nancy Myers film on before. We've had The Holiday on and obviously Meryl Streep. I'm a big fan of her. I don't think I was quite prepared for kind of like the off the scale wildness. There's quite a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. There's also some like shonky editing as well in it. But the two sync problems, which I thought was funny, there's a whole kind of plot thing around not, not wanting to have 
two space for two sinks because it makes her sad. Not the fact that she's obviously got space for having that. I thought that I had gone through my life without seeing Alec Baldwin naked, but <laughs> there it is. It's on screen. Interesting to say about Lake Bell. I thought there's a lot of stuff that I liked it. And I do think she does kind of celebrate women, but I found it a little bit sad that they kind of ganged up on the wife, the other woman, especially going through the kind of fertility struggles at the time. So I think that maybe if it was made now, it might not go down that angle. And also it did slightly annoy me that Meryl Streep had to apologise, but Alec Baldwin didn't do any apologising, whereas he was being basically a sex pest. And she was very firm and like, no, and he kept coming around the house. So it has that kind of male manipulation thing going on, which I think is quite happens in rom-coms, which was a bit of a shame that he didn't get kind of punished for being an unwanted sex pest. But I kind of liked it in the end that she ended up with Steve Martin because he's kind of quite sweet and he bought her the cinema tickets and she said she couldn't make it, which was really sweet of him. There's a certain sort of smugness by Alec Baldwin, isn't there? I mean, he plays it with a twinkle in his eye, but it is, I mean, he's very persuasive trying to make her think, well, of course this is all right. And, he's, and he, he laughs. He said, I think this is very French of us, <laughs> which he kind of explains everything away that, of course, it's OK that they have an affair. Of course, it's not really. But you're right. She's the only one that shows any kind of guilt for what she's doing to a woman that she doesn't even like. And what do you make of the rest of the cast, which I thought was quite interesting? Oh, gosh, uh, I loved it. I loved it. And it what an ensemble cast. I love John Krasinski. He's just brilliant. And he played her future son-in-law so well. I thought the scene in the hotel and the Stanhope... He, he was too nice, I thought. He's, he's oh, God, basically... I want him as my son-in-law. Son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, he's like the perfect son-in-law. He's the dream. Every, every, yeah. Every mum would want the, for their daughter. And he's protective of his fiancée and he's holding all these secrets. He sees all this, all these shenanigans going on in the Stanhope as, you know, first Alec <laughs> arri- Jake arrives and then Jane arrives and then the doctor's trying to sort out some sort of potential heart attack. And I just think he's got very good comedic acting skills and I think he can hold it. And like I say, you know, I just enjoyed it. I just like, be my son-in-law, be my son-in-law. It's good. <laughs> Good hair and teeth. Yeah, good jeans there. Good Good jeans. Everyone had amazing teeth in there. Yeah, of course they do. Of course it's LA, isn't it? But one of the other things that I felt was quite relevant to our age group, Liz and me, is the graduation scene. There was two of them. The first graduation scene where Luke is coming down the aisle and he's like punching the air. And well, they look at each other and they think, oh, look, we, we did this together. You know, we may have messed up our marriage. We may be an absolute nightmare at the end of it. But look what we achieved. Look how fab our kid is that he's now graduated from college. And I thought that was really beautiful. And, and I'm sure a lot of divorced couples on milestone events like that might come together and and try and see the good part that was left over from their marriages and not just the sad, the bad, messed up part. Side of things, yeah, absolutely. Liz, anything else you want to say on the cast in general? We talked about John Krasinski, but there's... Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan, yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't know many of the cast, but again, I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, I know. I know. I watch lots of films, but I just I just watch what I like. But I, did Nancy Mouse do the Intern as well? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it is. So it's the same she sort did. of yeah genre. Yeah, and I just thought yeah, 
I thought it was good casting. It, it just epitomises, in my mind, and I'm not saying that I've been there, you know, but that sort of moment in time and, and you know, West Coast. It is West Coast America, isn't it? It was, it was LA, yeah. Yeah. Just sort of, yeah, at that particular time, it was 10 years ago or more, it, things have changed. I thought the scene with all her girlfriends and Rita Wilson was one of them yeah. and they're all sitting around and they're sort of joking about their lives and they're so intimate and it just seems such a supportive network and then she's so giddy with how events have turned out and she bakes all these pies and she just wants to share them with her friends and I kind of like seeing the different reactions from each of the personalities of the women around the table. You know, one was immediately, oh, that's really great, good for you, good for you. And the other one's like, mm, I don't think you should have done that, really. That was and the widow. I, the widow, yes, yeah. And I just thought that was nicely played. It was a really intimate scene. And, and again, it's quite sort of sumptuous, you know, very cosy. I wanted to be part of that group. I know I'd have fitted in. <laughs> Which, I would have they had a large glass of, of wine, that's why. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally that. <laughs> <laughs> would that kind of be how you'd find out about your friend's affair would, would you sit down and say hey i'm having an affair with my ex-husband is that true to life i can honestly say that i've never heard of any of my friends having an affair no, <laughs> not not well, not one I'm, have I ever oh. said to me i'm having an affair well maybe they oh. are i don't know but so that says you wouldn't have, wouldn't have been like a netflix and divorce stories party it'd be you'd hear it on the grapevine kind of thing i don't know i don't it know i just feels so american i think this kind of oh, like yeah. divorce <laughs> party and they're more kind of like whoop you've had sex with your ex-husband again you go girl <laughs> if that happened yeah. then like kind of i don't know mm, I'd, I'd, be a bit i like, would say oh really should you have done that is that a wise thing to do yeah i don't know i feel that the divorce and that kind of whole thing is quite American and, and maybe I don't know maybe I need to have more divorce parties with my friends and find out I think it was more about empowering <laughs> I, I sort of feel like her friends were saying yeah yeah you are the one in charge now you're, you're not indebted to him you don't have to do this if you don't want to it's your choice and it was sort of a sexual freedom that she hadn't had and never did have in their marriage, really, because, as they said, always too tired or the children were... And all of a sudden, she has this freedom to do what she wants and to eventually find that she's brave enough to show her body again. And I think all of that points to Nancy giving this woman some a sense of empowerment, and I kind of like that. I've met up with some girlfriends last week and I'm married, happily married, whatever, you know, but the conversation of some of my friends who were divorced, it was very, very similar. It okay. was, it, and it was entertaining, <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if it's just American. It was more not the divorce side of things, it was more the uh, divulging what she'd... Oh, yeah, that's what... Oh, God, yeah, we had... I had yeah. it all laid out. It was, okay, quite, it was very entertaining, what I was told, yeah. <laughs> was there bucket wine glasses involved as well? Possibly. <laughs> a bat <laughs> on their side. No, no, it was it was interesting. No, it, it, what I feel is that it, it's sort of a little bit of the grass is always greener, or you know what's on the other side. And I think, having said that, I'm joking about my friend, a couple of friends who are divorced. They laugh about it and some of the exploits they get up to. But deep down, I'm not sure it, they're quite as happy and quite insecure underneath. Well, I think you know, she was too. I yeah, think Jane exactly. Adler was, yeah. she was lonely and, and she put a lot of effort into making her bakery a success. But she said, I've had 10 long years of lonely and finally 
I've stepped into what I want to be and I'm feeling good about myself and successful and I don't need a man, which is why she can choose to have an affair if she wants to, because it's her choice. I thought it was interesting that her therapist kind of absolved her of the guilt. Which was like, oh, interesting. And the person that she's getting together with, and I think this is one of the main members of the cast remember who talked about Steve Martin, in a kind of a strange role for Steve Martin, I thought, because he'd normally be front and centre of these kind of films. Yeah, so Steve Martin, and also we haven't really talked about Alec Walden, who I love from 30 Rock and from Beetlejuice and other things. I think Alec Walden's kind of an understated, really fantastic comedic actor. And I think he's fantastic in this, even though he was, as, as Helen kind of points out, I think on the sex pesty side of things, which probably, you know, the post Me Too world, we'd probably say like, guys, can we think of a better way of getting around this? Because he was stalking her and coming to her house and saying, who's that architect? He's he's all over you kind of thing. Uh, I think there's probably, I think there'll be a different way of doing that. It's nowadays. definitely a 2009, not a 2019 film, isn't it? Mm. And I I kind of liked as well that, yes, we, as Helen said, we did see Alec naked and we all thought we wouldn't have to do that. But he was a slightly overweight man and kind of real looking. He, he wasn't buff. He wasn't a Liam Hemsworth. He was what older middle aged men look like, frankly. <laughs> Hope my husband's not listening to this because he doesn't look like that. Of course, he's very Liam. And a bit spray tanned he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, her embarrassment, actually, you know, having to take off her robe, what middle-aged woman doesn't sort of have some kind of identification with that. And it's a predictable comedy, but it's okay. You know what you're getting into. And I knew that I would end with a smile on my face. And that's what it was all about, really. Well, Steve Martin, what are your thoughts on him as, a, as an actor and in, in this? And I guess we should talk a bit more about Meryl Streep. Oh, she's just brilliant. She's just she a genius. She has, I don't know how she has that face that becomes everything she ever plays. I mean, from Mamma Mia. What was that one with the nuclear reactor? What was that one? That was way back that she was in that. Do you remember that one? Oh. Nuclear reactor. Oh, gosh. So annoying. I can't remember it now. I remember but, when I, Sophie's Choice, which she was absolutely outstanding oh, in. That yes. was a long time ago. Really. But she plays such an... different people and she nails it every time. Had her in uh, Death Becomes Her recently. Well, not recently, a film we've talked about in, in this podcast. And she's also in Manhattan. Was she one of the characters? Was she... she is, yeah. She plays his Woody ex-wife. Allen's... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Woody Allen's ex-wife. She's yeah. got range. <laughs> the girl's oh, got, she's got range. Mm. And she's one of those actresses who doesn't appear to have kind of like an expiry and she seems to be one of the few women who've managed to kind of get roles that have aged with her because it's quite interesting so she's 60 in this film she obviously does come across slightly more probably youthful living in LA you get that tan but if you kind of think that her age in this is 10 years behind Jennifer Aniston and if you kind of like look at them it's quite an interesting sort of comparison in how Meryl's kind of aged and how she's kind of taken her roles with her whereas Jennifer seems to be kind of stuck in trying to stay 23 all the time so I'm just having a look now for the nuclear reactor film because I'm intrigued to know is it a recent one? Oh no it's 20 years ago easily. Okay um, we've also had adaptation on the podcast which is again just Silkwood. 
So yeah, good. That's the one. Yes. She kind Thank of brings you. something different to each role and it's not a surprise really that she's been rewarded so many times with awards for her talents. Is there anything else you want to say, guys, before we head to the scores? I would just say that, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a, a real movie of depth, but you don't always need a movie of depth. I quite liked the use of music in it as well. I mean, it made me laugh when Alec Baldwin was sort of running from tree to tree. And it's all a bit sort of pantomime-ish in some ways, isn't it? It's a bit... But I just liked everything about it because I thought the ensemble cast was amazing and sets were gorgeous and it was just a, a super... Oh, there is one more thing I wanted to mention that nobody else has yet, and that's the food porn. You know, when they're making the chocolate croissant, it's just such sort of a... a what was that machine that kind of had a pastry that yeah. kind of... Was that the pasta machine? Kind of, oh, yeah. no, no, it made rolls of dough, didn't it? So that it flattened yeah, out the dough. Yeah. So that she could pull it out, but I just thought that was really, it's a really well done scene. It's sort of a certain eroticism to it, and two of them sitting just eating their freshly baked croissants with chocolate dripping. It was yummy, so yummy. I don't, I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> I was drooling over it. I thought it was lovely. Well, they just obviously had the the stoner humour and smoked. In an unusual oh, yes. way to smoke yeah. a joint, um, but I think yes. that kind of lends to Steve Martin's kind of physical comedy style a bit. So I, I thought that was quite yeah. funny. Turning up at your children's parties stoned is never not going to be funny. That was such a kind of a to use a Hellington a wild scene. I was just like, what's going on here? And then John Krasinski joins in. <laughs> Steve joins in. I was like, what is happening here, guys? <laughs> and then naturally you've got to go and eat some food that you've just happened to have eat, eat, eat food made yourself yeah. because she owns this magnificent bakery and she can just turn up and bake some croissants stoned and not have to worry about health and safety. Yeah, but of all of the things on the menu, there was so much more that was more interesting than a chocolate croissant, wasn't there, really? Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, they just haven't had, they don't have that all the time. We get them in local supermarket, you unfreeze them and put them in the oven for 10 minutes. It's not quite so sexy, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it reminded me, when I was at university, one of my friends worked at Burger King. And one time, after we left the, the club or bar, wherever it was, he opened up Burger King and just made food for us for free. <laughs> Got exactly like that scene then. <laughs> exactly like that scene. He said, you can't have the chicken stuff because that takes ages to cook but it can have anything else it's like okay that's that's fine <laughs> that's quite a transition that's isn't it from a Meryl Streep movie to you having a <laughs> nibbles a in a Burger King, King after a yeah. night out <laughs> it said that camera there is fake don't worry about it okay right, fine <laughs> cheers Sean if that was your real name <laughs> so we head to the scores guys I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. They're always out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Michelle, with your recommendability. 
Okay, going straight there with a five because I loved the movie, loved everything about it. So, not much more to explain there. You can tell that I loved it. <laughs> Liz, I'll give it a four and a half. I love it, but perhaps a little bit dated. But great movie, Helen. I think having watched it for the first time now, there was a few things that I was a bit like, not too sure about that, and. I think it's way longer than it needs to be. I think if it was like a 90 minute one, I think it would be just a bit kind of zappier and a bit tighter. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but there was so much stuff that I was just like, what? What is that? What's going on now? I'm not sure I'd be able to recommend it to that many people. So I'm going to go for a solid three. I didn't know what I was walking into. I definitely knew of the film. I'd seen the the DVD and post cover and thought, rom-coms at the stage weren't that highly regarded so we one that passed me by is it a rom-com actually well we'll discuss that carry on but when it from the start i was like oh i like the setup here because you thought they were together and then late late bell comes into it and you're like, oh actually they're separated but there's still there's some kind of kinship and i hadn't seen that setup before for a film and i thought it was actually really quite interesting i didn't believe the relationship between the, the siblings and the family, I thought that was a bit too close-knit. There's no fighting there. There's all that like, everyone's hugging and stuff like that. But I guess there's a surrounding a graduation and pre-marriage stuff, so maybe there's a bit of love in the family. But yeah, it was better than I thought it's going to be based on the poster. <laughs> That's basically what I was going to say. So yeah, four for me. Repeat viewing score. Michelle? Yeah, repeat viewing is going to be a five from me because I could watch it two, three times a year. And I, it makes me laugh out loud every time. Liz? I think it's a four for me. I can watch it again and again, and it is quite it is entertaining. And I've got a feeling it's it's probably because of our age, Michelle. Yes, it's our age. <laughs> Helen, I pro- probably I'd like to see more of her films because I haven't really seen that many of them outside of the holiday and some of the ones that she's written but even then that was a long time since that so I'm kind of intrigued to see what else she's got but whether I'll return to this one as much I've put seeing something else by her ahead of this so a two actually it's just been announced or it was announced this year that she is writing a new movie she hasn't done anything I think for six years but sometime in 2023 there is a new Nancy Myers movie coming out nothing's been announced about cast or title Interesting. I probably will watch this again, not often, not frequently. But I think like Helen, I, I, I do need to watch the rest of her films. I love Baby Boom. When I randomly came across it as a film, again, that was one that she wrote rather than than directed. So I think I need to watch more than ones that she's directed. And interestingly, rom-coms do tend to rank quite highly here. I mean, our, our highest rated film is When Harry Met Sally, but that's a Stone Cold classic. Um, mm. But we've had also other rom-coms, which are the kind of Netflixy ones, which are just easy to recommend and watch. And I think there's a reason for that. Always Be My Maybe, for example. And they're easy just to, if they're half decent, they're kind of easy to watch. And time and time again. Yeah, but this one too, I reckon. Small screen score. Michelle. Oh, yeah. I'd give it a 4.5. It's You don't need a big screen to watch this. It's You can watch it on your laptop. You could watch it on your TV at home and it works perfectly well. Don't need a big screen for this one. Liz? Yeah, I agree totally. You don't need a big screen. So a four and a half. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. I score it? I think I did. Four and a half. Yeah, you did. Okay. You said 4.5, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than having that kind of shared experience of watching comedy films, which 
is always fun in the cinema. I think this is perfect for watching at home and you could maybe get a few friends around and recreate that experience. So a five for small screen. Yeah, I can hear for 4.5 as well. It would have been quite nice to see in the, in the cinema for a collected laugh. Engagement score, Michelle. Yep, wanted to see it all the way through, even though I knew what was coming. So I'm going to have to give that a five. High scoring round there from yourself there, Michelle. Liz. Ooh, I was going to say five as well. Change my mind now. No. You can't, you it's can't a five. Be, of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's a, yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, Helen. I had to watch this in two settings. So that obviously affects the engagement. I do think it's a bit long for its concept. So I was kind of waiting to see when she was going to tell Alec Baldwin to do one and hang out more with nice Steve Martin, who was more attentive and less after sex pesting. So did I miss something? Did they get together and her and Steve Martin, they just decided to be friends? Well, there's kind of like, at least they're... At least he's building her house. It's implied. Yeah. He came back, didn't he? He wasn't going Mm. to come back to the house. And then she sees him on a rainy day and that's good luck to start building the the renovation. So clearly he's decided that he'll come back into her life. And, you know, he's a nice sort of damaged, gentle character that you don't think is going to be unkind to her or as much as that chemistry between Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep is brilliant... You could see that her and Steve Martin would just have a more gentle, sweet, kind relationship, I think. Yeah, and, you know, he's not, like, been a dick about it at all. He's like, yep, I did see your ex-husband naked on my laptop and you revealed that you were having an affair where we were sort of seeing each other. But, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to forgive and forget. So they may have just stayed friends, but if so, he would have been a very attentive friend and it would be a nice relationship either way. So a three. So what was your score? Three. I'm going to go for a bit higher than three just because it's my first time viewing it. I think if I watched it in subsequent ones, I'd be paying less attention because I think you can kind of let things just kind of linger in the background, maybe lean in for the kind of funnier bits. So yeah, 3.5. That gives us an overall score of 4.03125. Yeah, everything over four is high. Uh, I thought it would be quite high, but repeat viewing from myself and Helen is where it's gone down a bit. <laughs> we need to watch more than Nancy Myers before coming back to this one, potentially. Awesome. Well, Liz, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast on Flixwatcher here. You can sign off by saying goodbye to listeners and let everyone know where we can find your podcast and any other things you might have for them to see online. Yes, so thank you so much for having us. I've had a lovely time. Love reviewing our favourite movies. And we are Two Women Chatting Podcast. You can find us on any podcast platform and you can find us on our website, which is www.twowomenchatting.com or on our Insta, which is at Two Women Chatting. Get in the theme here. And on Twitter, at Chatting Two. So we just basically talk about anything, have a good laugh on our sofa and everyone is welcome. Lovely. Thanks so much for joining us, Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. 
If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatch has sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 